live. Leslie, thank you for joining me. Hello, Matt. Nice to see you. Really a pleasure. Now, Leslie, just give my listeners a bit of background about yourself. Who is Leslie Zan? Uh, what do you do? And uh, how'd you come out with this uh, beautiful book? Uh, thank you. So I'm a professional speaker by trade. My audience are usually salespeople or entrepreneurs. I've been doing this for about 31 years. And I just realized over the years that certain concepts that were supporting me through my life as I came across obstacles or disappointments or failures or got knocked down, certain concepts that I was putting into practice and working for me were equally working for my audience and my community. So a couple of years ago, I decided I am going to put this all into a book. And that was the idea. And in February, just last month, we launched Outrageous Achievement and it became a number one international bestseller in 21 years, or excuse me, 21 hours. And I gotta tell you, Matt, it is big in Australia. It made number one in six different categories in Australia, so that makes me really happy. Awesome, so just take me back to, so before you started mentoring people, where did you start, Leslie? What was your first job? My first job actually was working in my father's office. So I'm 61. So we want to go all the way back to my first job. Um, I started working in my dad's office. He was a doctor and I would stop in after school and do some filing. And then all through high school, I worked in a pizza parlor and I was the perky gal at the register. And I did that, took the bus from school. And that's actually how I saved up enough money to buy my first car. So I worked in that and worked my way up to manager, went away to school, business management was what I studied. And it was actually my uh, friend who said, you should be a realtor. And so my first sales job was a realtor and I was a successful agent for nine years. And my husband at the time was a builder and we built many homes, high-end spec homes. And then my mother actually got me into a business with her in sales. So we worked together for 16 years. That led to eight years of corporate sales career, leading large sales teams. And then a, and then a, a real uh, unexpected moment in my life, a real disappointment, a divorce, uh, put me in a position when I was 50 to consider what do I want to do with my life professionally, personally, and that was when I decided to launch Leslie Zan Consulting. And I launched my own business in 2012, doing what I love to do, but on my own terms. And I sit before you, Matt, full of humility and gratitude. As I, since day one, I have been as busy. I have to, I have to turn away. I mean, I, I have more work than I could possibly do. Live speaking, training courses, keynoting, and even when COVID hit. Now, granted, I had to make a big pivot because I had a whole year's worth of events cancel in a matter of days, but I was able to pivot and do a lot of work virtually. So it's been a progression of always having something to do with serving and caring about people. Awesome. So what was the big lesson that you learned? So going through that divorce, obviously, that was rock bottom for you at 50 years old. What kind well, of made was... you make that big pivot to where you got today, Open up that, opening up your consulting? Uh business? Well, I, I, I got to go back. That's, that's, that started Leslie 2.0, oh, okay. but, but there was a Leslie 1.5 that happened in my twenties that I believe made just as big a difference. So 
my husband when he was building and I was a realtor in a matter of a year and a half a lot of things happened first we got a phone call that there was a water moratorium I live in California I live in San Diego and because of many years of a drought they stopped building so with one phone call we couldn't work we had a crew of 11 people I mean that was how we made our our, our living we'd build one to two high-end spec homes a year so that put my husband out of work about six months later, our house burned down. It was a faulty water heater. Now we weren't in the house, we weren't jumping out of a burning building, thank goodness. Uh, we were at work um, and our neighbors saved our dogs and the firemen brought my cat back to life with an infant oxygen mask right in front of my very eyes. So nobody perished, but we lost all our stuff. And realized the next day from our insurance man that we were also underinsured, which basically means you ain't living the same life you were used to living. Yeah. A few months after that, I mean, this all just happened. Like Mercury must have been retrograde for a year and a half. Like a few months after that, I got the word from the doctor that I wasn't able to have children. Like I remember oh, wow. this back in my late 20s. And then probably six months after that, because it had been over a year now that we weren't able to work and we had money going out but nothing coming in, we were forced to declare bankruptcy. Oh, wow. All those things happening, which again, nothing was life and death, but they were what I call B traumas. It wasn't A, like life on the line, but we had a lot of very serious B traumas, a lot of tears, a lot of pain, a lot of frustration, and learning to deal with all those things. That really turned me into Leslie 1.5. The marriage did not survive. This, the chapter, not that anybody was right or wrong or good or bad or better or worse. It's just the marriage that we went different directions. Like yeah. We grew up differently through all the trauma. Yeah. And so my best friend, who's still my best friend today, said that at the time watching me go through that, she said, I was like a peony flower that every day I opened up more and more and got stronger and stronger and stronger. I, I, it's just, I refuse to be a victim. Yeah, I love so that, that. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, no, I love that. Um, now, when you're going through that, so early on when, when all that stuff happened, Ed Milet, I don't know if you know Ed Milet, but he talks a lot about identity. You never proceed your identity, kind of what you believe you achieve. And I do, I do uh, I've got a gym and I'm in the nutrition space and I kind of feel people will only say, say people want to lose 10 kilos, for example. If they don't see past that, they're never going to see past that. And business and nutrition, um, I kind of relate a lot to um, nutrition business. Can you just take us through that? So what was your identity like at the beginning? And what did you do to kind of break through that next level? Yep. I knew for sure my identity was not a victim. And I knew for sure that nothing was my fault. And I think that's really important. So often people want to make bad things that happen their fault when it's not. I wasn't in charge of no rain, right? I wasn't in charge of what, how my body, you know, what happened with my body. I, you know, these were things that were out of my control. And I made a conscious decision that I was not going to be a victim and I was not going to define myself by these things that were happening. I think it was the beginning of this concept where I was able to silo or separate 
these things that were bad or I wasn't happy about that were hard or made me cry or frustrated, I could silo them and know that, hey, this isn't working, this part of my life isn't working, but I didn't allow it to be pervasive in all areas of my life. So granted, this wasn't good, but I still had a whole bunch of things to be grateful for. And so I think it was the first seed of acknowledgement or recognizing, Matt, the importance of gratitude. Yeah, I love that. And especially managing people, like when you're managing a big sales team, you look at your phone, there's a problem. So if you don't control what's happening on the inside, it's very hard to coach someone else. Yes. So what do, you do, what do you do daily that, is there a daily practice you do? So, so let's fast forward to the book, Leslie. Yes. Is there some lessons that you can share to my audience that, that help you get through the day or morning routine or yeah, take us through something you do every day? I have a whole chapter on personal development because I believe the number one solution if you want to make a change in any area of your life, whether it's to lose 10 kilos or get a better relationship or have a different career or make more money, if you are dissatisfied in any area of your life, one of my favorite mentors, Jim Rohn, always yeah. said, for things to change, you have to change. I love and that. it's liberating. So I have a morning practice. And I'll tell you, if you look into and get to know high achievers in all walks of life, it is not uncommon for high achievers to say they have a daily morning practice. And so I have one as well. Uh, I began with reading. And so for people who don't like to read, if you want audiobooks, there's thousands of choices. And when I talk about reading personal development, I'm not talking about spiritual books, although I read spiritual books. I'm not talking about leadership books, although I dig those as well. I'm not talking about books on people who start at the bottom and went to the top. I dig biographies of success. I'm talking about the kind of books that get you to think about you. Like what has to happen for you to get paralyzed? What has to happen for you to get stuck? What has to happen for that tape to start playing in your head that I'm not good enough or I can never do this or I always drop the ball or why me? And, and, and be able to tape over it. So personal development reading, 30 minutes a day. I always tell the audience, if I could guarantee you that your life would transform with just 30 minutes of reading a day, wouldn't it be worth the try? And I cannot tell you, Matt, how many notes I get from total strangers that I heard you speak, I started reading, and it has changed my life. I feel so strongly about this. I have a, a library. I put it in the book, and I have a Leslie's library online, that, and I give it to every class, every sales class I teach. I make it available every time I speak or keynote. I just I feel that strongly about personal development books. So that's, an, that's one form. There's journaling. And you know, people think, oh, I got to write a whole novel. No, one or two words someday, a couple of sentences, learning to journal and get it out is magical. Yoga, meditation, vision boards. I mean, these are all proven concepts for helping you get in touch with yourself. And that's really the issue, Matt, is that most people are on autopilot. They don't know what they're thinking. They don't know what they're doing. They're being constantly reactive and they wonder why they're unhappy. I love that. Yeah. And, and a lot of those things are from Jim Rohn too. He talks about, you know, reading every day and, and journaling too. So I love that you've adapted that. But now you deal with millionaires every day. So what's different between someone that works at McDonald's and a millionaire? Because we all think the same. Everyone thinks they're a different species or not even a millionaire, just a high achiever. What's, what's different? Because they all face the same things we do. 
Yeah. What's 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 a constant thing that you have to kind of pull someone back on and and get them on the right track with? Yeah, I would say the difference between a wannabe and a high achiever are two things. You know, I work with a lot of people in direct selling. You know, a lot of salespeople, um, entrepreneurs. It's just personal opinion. I think the two things, the difference between high achievement and not is discipline and accountability. Wow. Most, I mean, if you come from nutrition, right now, I'm a size four today, but at my most voluptuous, I was a size 14 until I got into a health routine and made health a priority in my life many years ago when I was 30. And my quality of life now at 61 is because I take good care of myself, like everything in moderation, I take good care of myself. Yeah. And so discipline, like how many people say I want to lose 10 pounds, but they don't have the discipline to change the way they eat or the discipline to go out for a walk, right? They, they'd rather, for many people, they take the easy way. Um, they settle really. I've got a whole chapter on settling. I think this leads to settling. Too many people settle in different areas of their life because it's not bad enough. It's not painful enough. So they don't harness the discipline to do differently. So I think discipline and accountability. Many people will not find the courage and, and compassion to hold themselves accountable. They're too busy blaming everyone else. Well, things are like this because he did this or she did this or they did this or this. Is that. They're always blaming everything external rather than taking personal responsibility. I love that. And Jim, Jim Rowan says an apple a day, not seven on Sunday. <laughs> I use that exactly. all the time. It's so true. You love him too. Don't you? Uh, he has a million things you could quote. It's, it's re honestly really small things. Like when I, when I coach people in nutrition, I tell them to get their steps in, drink water and hit a target. And then they come to me and they say, Matt, I want to change my calories. And I say to them, did you walk this week? They're like, Oh, I walked twice. And I was like, focus on that. Do it for a week. So Leslie, anyway, let's fast forward now to this book. What do you want to leave my audience with? Well, I want to go to your sports and you know, your, your fitness analogy, if that's okay. Of course. Right? Yeah, definitely. Let's go there. I mean, your whole idea of they want to make a change, right? Because it's getting a little too uncomfortable. Yep. And so uh, I, when COVID hit, I was doing indoor rock climbing, which I love. And I was doing that before COVID. And with the pandemic, can't do that. So I had to figure out some way to have some kind of fun new exercise. So I pulled out my bike, my old 15-year-old bike. And I found a buddy who's a cyclist. And we started riding. Well, it didn't take long for me to go, man, I got to ditch this old grandma bike and get a serious bike. So I got myself a BMC road bike and we started riding. And then I graduated into the SPD pedals, clipped in, bam, now we're riding 40 to 60 miles every weekend. And I am more strong today uh, than I've ever been in my whole life probably. And I, and I dig it, but my story about the discipline and accountability, I've discovered I'm a hill climber. I'm never going to like to go down fast and I don't have to. I'll sprint like the laws after me, but man, I totally dig climbing and there's just something about it. And the first hill we took is a hill called Talbot and it's a long grade and then a pitch at the top that's really steep. So for five months, Matt, I couldn't make it in one swoop. 
I'd, I could get to the grade and then my legs weren't strong enough, my lungs weren't strong enough, my skill riding up to the pitch wasn't where it was at. So I couldn't, I just didn't have it in me and I have to stop, breathe, catch my lungs, catch my legs, and then I'd ride the rest of the way up. Five months it took me every week and I would be at the bottom of that hill saying, I'm getting to the top of this hill today. Until finally I did it without stopping. And I think the secret is I went into that hill every Saturday, not saying, oh man, this hill's gonna kick my ass. I went, looked at this hill and had what I call high intention, like high intention, I'm gonna get to the top of the hill. So it could be, I'm gonna lose 10 pounds or I'm gonna get more fit or I'm gonna get high intention and low attachment. Yeah. Low attachment mean that no matter what happens, I'm still moving in the direction of my goal. I'm still getting stronger. I'm still getting better. I can keep the fun factor in it. So I kept my intention of what I want to do. And my intention was bigger than my fear. My intention kept me accountable. My intention kept me disciplined and that low attachment. So now, man, I am the queen of Talbot. I love that. I think a lot of people attach themselves to that old story as well. So when they hit a failure, they're straight back to that old story. And that's what ruins a lot of people. And they just go back to that old pattern of quitting because quitting's a habit too. Quitting is a habit and people quit too soon. The minute it's even uncomfortable. And when we could shift that perception of what failure is, my friend, if we can change our perception of what failure is, then we will keep on keeping it on. Then we'll keep riding up the hill. And as a stop doesn't mean a quit. A stop means, okay, I'm stopping, I'm breathing. Next time I'll be a little stronger. Next time I'll be a little smarter. And one day I'm getting to the top of the hill. But you got to have the discipline to keep going. See, I never perceived it as a failure. I just perceived it as part of my journey to the top of Talbot. I'm getting reps in. That's the way I see things. Like, in all, in all what is it? In all labor, there's profit. So in all work, anything you do is a skill. So like if you're, if you're on a sales call and you're getting no's, it's just another rep. You know, same in the gym. You know, you might fail at, at six reps today, but you're just getting your reps and you're better, than you, you, you're better today than you were yesterday. And that's all it is. Just keep showing up and getting better. Keep showing up and getting better. That should be a bumper sticker. Love it, Leslie. <laughs> what do you want to leave the audience with now, Leslie? Where can we leave this? All right. Well, I would love everyone to go to Amazon and take a look at Outrageous Achievement. If this conversation has been interesting to you, the book is full of concepts and exercises and fun stories and, and heartbreaking stories and, and a lot of lessons of my life and, and ways that you can truly make a difference in your life. And if you did, you're into Instagram, I'm doing a lot of super fun things on Instagram. Truly, everything I do is out of service and to support people truly to live their best life. That's my mission. That's my passion. Awesome. Love it. And David Meltzer, what a legend. Tell, just quickly tell my audience how good of a guy uh, David Meltzer is. Oh my gosh. David is my business coach and I don't take that for granted for one second. And David has taught me so much. And as much as all the professional lessons I've learned from David, he's a shiny example of heart. He walks his talk and he champions me like a friend as well as a mentor. And I thank my lucky stars every day. Like I said, I do not take him for granted for a second. I'm so 
humble to work with him, truly. That's it. And, like and like David says, two words, thank you. <laughs> two words, thank you. So thank he you. also says consistent and persistent. Oh, yeah, he loves that one. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he does. All right, awesome, Leslie. What I'll do is I'll just link that in, um, in the comments in the group. And um, guys, make sure you get out, grab the book, and I connect with Leslie on Instagram and Facebook too. Beautiful. She's 61, a- she's 61, but I could have sworn you're 31, Leslie. Wow, I appreciate that very much. All the compliments today. <laughs> oh my gosh, yes you are. And I take it with a lot of joy. Thank you. <laughs> All right, Leslie, thanks heaps and it was great connecting. Beautiful. Thanks, Take Matt. care. You too. Bye.